Learning to play with innovation. Why games may offer a serious way to learn the craft of creating value from ideas. Birds do it. Bees do it. Even educated fleas do it. Well, I'm not sure about the last one, but someone somewhere has probably done some research on the topic. We humans certainly do it, especially when we're young. Now, I'm not talking about falling in love, but about extending Cole Porter's observations to a different world. Something up there in terms of importance, playing. Play is a basic animal behaviour, and it's worth asking the evolutionary psychology question, why? Wasting time and energy isn't a good idea for the survival of any species. So why do human beings play? Well, it turns out that play is a pretty valuable device. As the psychologist Peter Gray suggests, play enables us to practice skills that are essential to survival and reproduction. It helps us learn to cope physically and emotionally with unexpected and potentially harmful events. It helps reduce hostility, enables cooperation, and it helps generate new and sometimes useful creations. And it's that last element which makes it particularly relevant for innovation. Play might be fun, but it has a serious purpose. Our ability to imagine and create lies at the heart of our emergence as a successful species, whose main gift is not size or strength, but in our ability to adapt to hostile and uncertain environments. We innovate, find solutions and alternatives if our first options are blocked off. Think about it. In situations where we're trying to create new products or services or bring about process changes, wouldn't it be handy to have offline ways of simulating problem situations, learning teamwork, sharing knowledge cooperatively or experimenting safely? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. And we've been doing it for some time. These days, there are shelves full of books with titles like Serious Play, Experimentation Matters, The Playful Entrepreneur. And they speak to the growing understanding of the important role which play can take in innovation. It's become embedded in the core agile methodologies around prototyping, essentially creating boundary objects and then interacting with them, playing around with them to get the best fit. It's part of the hackathon culture of competing against the clock to come up with novel ideas. It's the same sort of buzz that you'd get in escape room games. Making things playful is a powerful way of engaging interest. So if you're looking to capture user experience, it makes sense to explore turning the focus group or questionnaire into a gamified approach. And if we want to break down organisational barriers and entice people out of their silos to share knowledge, games can be a powerful tool. It's not just about play processes like exploration and prototyping. It's also about the structured environment within which play takes place. We can think of this as a space containing enabling elements. It builds on the same principles as underpin the way a kindergarten works. Typically, these are not austere classrooms, but rather stimulating and interesting physical environments, equipped with play resources of many kinds, paints, bricks and so on. These play structures provide the enabling scaffolding within which children can experiment and explore. And what works in the world of children 
also has application for adults. It's no accident that we're seeing increasing attention being paid to environments to enable innovation. For example, the Googleplex, or Apple's new headquarters, or the Pixar Studios. The idea of Innovation Labs has become a must-have accessory for any organisation, public or private, concerned with innovation, recognising the need for dedicated spaces within which experimentation can happen. They provide safe offline environments, what might be termed boundary spaces, in which play can happen as a route towards innovation. And within these play structures, we find growing use of games. Games as structured, goal-directed patterns of play. Dave Gray and his colleagues suggest that games represent a particular kind of play with five key characteristics. First of all, game space, an environment in which the rules of ordinary life are temporarily suspended and replaced with the rules of the game. In effect, it involves a temporary alternative world. And boundaries. Games have a definite point at which they start and end, and other boundaries, for example in the physical space. A football game has time as a boundary, and also the boundaries of the pitch, for example. Games have rules for interaction. They define the way the game is played and set out the game space boundaries. Games often involve artefacts, elements which enable the game to be played or carry information about the rules. For example, the counters on a board game, the ball, the bat, the other equipment in a sport game, and so on. And games have goals. Games have a purpose and an endpoint, a winning state when the objective is achieved. Games offer powerful opportunities to work with alternative worlds and explore, experiment and create in focused fashion. They've been extensively used in a variety of serious contexts, for example, as safe ways to explore and resolve organisational conflicts, to break down silos, to build trust, to enable more effective collaboration within and between teams, and so on. So, there's a strong argument for learning to play as a serious addition to our innovation routines. But the reverse is also true. There's considerable scope in playing to learn about innovation. Whether it's in a classroom, a company training event or an online webinar, there's a limit to how well knowledge can be transferred through conventional routes like lectures, reading, watching and listening. The value of games is that they extend the repertoire available to us as teachers and coaches. They offer a key complement to that rich library of concepts and tools which we're curators of. The key contribution of games is to create experiences around which structured reflection can take place. In particular, Games create that temporary alternative world with boundaries in time and space within which safe exploration can take place. They involve rules and play structures and elements. They allow interactivity between players and game objects, enabling an experience of the drama in the situation being modelled. They allow for multiple simulations in which players can experiment with different strategies. They provide motivation, the fun element of a game which draws people in. And they permit experimentation within that game context. 
In a context like flipping the classroom, there's growing interest in alternative ways of engaging students to work with and around core conceptual material. Games offer a powerful way of doing this. Even something as simple as a bundle of old newspapers can be configured into a game with the potential to illustrate key aspects of innovation like strategy, marketing, operations and rapid prototyping, as well as being fun. So, not surprisingly, there's growing recognition of the potential of games and gamification as an aid to innovation learning and practice. Which is why we began a collaborative project with a number of companies and universities and with funding from the European Union's Erasmus Plus programme, which was aimed at trying to understand how games might help in innovation. And in the spirit of learning by doing, we also were developing some new games for innovation purposes along the way. The Gamify project has been working over the past three years with the aim of creating new learner-centered teaching methods, opening up new learning opportunities, developing the practical application of entrepreneurial skills using games. It drew together a rich knowledge alliance of partners, including Deutsche Telekom, 3M, Danske Bank, Lufthansa Systems, Kamstrup and Generali from the industry side, plus four universities in Leipzig, Berlin, Madrid and Kolding in Denmark, and with the dissemination capacity of ISPIM and quality assurance from the ASIN Accreditation Agency. It's worth highlighting a couple of headlines from the project findings. First of all, play can help extend the range of options which organisations can deploy to support their innovation process. We're increasingly familiar with doing this at the front end, the ideation stage where games are built around creative thinking, and this can be fun and trigger new insights. But games can also apply elsewhere on the journey. Think about strategy, and we've got games to help explore and simulate competitive decision-making. How about implementation, that tricky journey from idea to reality? Games can help here, offering simulation and rehearsal possibilities, helping think through the challenges of change management. What about knowledge management? Well, there's a game for that. Or building partnerships to help with the challenge of scaling innovation. In fact, in the book which has come out and is available on open access, but in the book which has come out from the Gamify project, there are descriptions and links to over 70 customizable games already in use by innovators, entrepreneurs and professional trainers. The second key point is that games have a structure. They're not simply random ideas, but instead provide rules and gameplay procedures to enable them to be repeated and widely used. And they're built up from some basic pattern elements, which opens up the possibility of creating games to order, picking a situation and then developing a suitable play device to help, assembling it through combining different game patterns. A simple illustration of this is the extensive range of games which have been developed to help understand key concepts around teamworking for innovation using a box of eggs. The common elements include a strongly competitive element, a sense of jeopardy, eggs have a habit of breaking, and a race against the clock. Now, one of the features in the book is an attempt to offer a typology of patterns which can be combined into different gameplay possibilities, a kind of Lego box of possibilities. 
This involves 36 reusable gamification design patterns, a five-step process, and a game design canvas to create your own innovation games. Being able to design and configure games in this way means we can use them to help explore and elaborate key themes and offers the opportunity to experience and make sense of the challenges which innovation can pose. And games can also help at the innovation frontier, offering ways to explore and understand emerging and tricky issues, helping our understanding and concept development. After all, innovation involves a moving frontier, and updating our maps for working in that uncharted space could usefully include developing games to provide access to emerging knowledge about it. For example, there are many games around which help illuminate the issue of new product or service development and the role which team working plays within that. But recent years have seen a big shift towards online collaboration between remote teams. So learning how to do this and exploring some of the complex issues involved, that's less well understood. A mapping operation is needed to help articulate and mobilise this emerging knowledge, and games might play a useful role in this. But first, we have to design and make them. And one of the many games described in the book was explicitly developed during the COVID-19 lockdown as a way of helping company teams work remotely on innovation projects. And in the book, there are several new games of this kind, which were specifically developed and tested by our partners to help deal with emerging and significant innovation challenges, including the corporate sustainability game, to help participants identify sustainability challenges and to generate ideas and future scenarios on how to address them. Or the Customer First game, which is looking at the challenges related to creating more human-centric organisations that can respond better to changing customer needs. Or the Business Model Branching game, dealing with the difficult and complex challenges of balancing ongoing operations with new innovation-orientated activities. Or the Shift Game, which explores practical ways and strategies to overcome innovation barriers and organisational ambidexterity paradoxes in established organisations. Or the Proximity Seeker Game, the one we mentioned before, developed to address the challenges of social dynamics, especially in remote teams. And the Ecosystem Canvas Game, which allows future entrepreneurs ways of becoming more aware of and ways to explore the potential for joint value creation in networks. So the main message of the book is simple. Learning to play and playing to learn could represent a valuable set of innovation skills. Now, we often talk about pastimes as a collective noun for a variety of games and play devices. Trouble is that tends to nudge them towards a box, which implies that they're somehow not serious. They're just ways of passing the time. Maybe it's worth taking a second look and see how they might make a real contribution to how we work with the innovation challenge. I'd just like to add some special thanks for this particular podcast to my co-authors and project partners, Henning Breuer, who's from the University of Applied Science for Media, Communication and Impact in Germany, and Suna Goodickson, who works at the University of Southern Denmark. Oh.